here's the problem I see with the majority of people in their work-life balance. The reason why people are never fully on is because they're also never fully off. And so I think the reason why they're not fully off is because they're never fully on. So I think we live in a society where we have people that are like kind of half on, half off all the time. We stand today. The Business Method with a shout The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars and annual revenue and now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results economies and cultures there's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to the podcast today i am excited to introduce our guest tyler jack harris on the podcast this man has done some absolutely incredible things in his career in fact he's sold over eight thousand life insurance policies in three years one-on-one and face-to-face so he is a master in hustle and productivity and getting things done he went from unemployed to millionaire in 3.5 years he began documenting his life and becoming an influencer on social media two years ago achieving staggering results having a weekly reachly high of over 49 million people across the world hosting two podcasts a daily vlog another weekly vlog and having over a hundred million video views on those vlogs he's a mentor he is the author of sales wolves and is just an incredible individual to talk to about two particular subjects actually three um, influence being one of them sales and legacy entrepreneurs systems methods tools and tactics how's it going noah Awesome, my friend. How are you? Good, good. I, I, you were just mentioning something that I, I wanted to talk about, that you have been focusing on one thing this year, and it's much different from you than as opposed to focusing on 300 things. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, why, why is it? Is it different in a better way? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny uh, because you always think that, of, you know, it's, I'm not doing that many things. But if you look actually at your agenda and you really allocate time to each task and then you categorize that task, and if you do that just for one week, I discovered that I'm doing actually so many things. Yeah. And uh, that was last year, November. So 15th of January, I decided just for three months, do focus only on one company. Wow. Um, and, I, and, and I'm doing that. And wow, like, like the opportunities, the, the, the amount of uh, the, the speed like of success that you achieve in, in e- each of these mini tasks of micro achievements is much higher. And 
actually, when the father of Bill Gates mm-hmm. introduced Warren Buffett to Bill Gates, uh, and they had dinner, their father asked them independently of each other, what is the one, if you have to choose one variable that, that define your success, what it will be. And both of them, independent of each other, screamed focus. Focus. <laughs> focus. Focus, focus is, the, is the one thing that many, many entrepreneurs always uh, 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 underestimate the power of it. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to have to take some tips because my planner has 300 things going on at once. <laughs> but I, no, do, uh, uh, I do try to... Uh, I was guilty of that too. Yeah, I do try to reduce it as much as possible, but it seems like things always creep in a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. Yeah. But yeah, like... There's a Warren Buffett uh, have a, after a couple of years, he decided to buy a private jet. Yeah. And after nine years of working for him, his pilot, he, uh, Warren Buffett looked at him and he said, I, I feel like a failure. So the pilots look at him and said, what? But oh, Mr. Buffett, you're one of the richest men in the world. Uh, what do you mean? He said, you've been working for me for nine years and you're still not a multimillionaire. That's frustrating. Let's sit down. <laughs> let's 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 sit down and and write. What is your goal? So write, please, to me uh, uh, tonight with your wife your twenty-five top goals in life. Oh, so wow. he he wrote that pilot went home. Write write down uh, wrote down the twenty-five uh, goals in his life. Then went back. And he said, "Okay, uh, Mr. Buffett, these are my goals." Then Buffett looked at him and he said, "Okay, choose now the top five most important goals in your life." Mm-hmm. And he thought about it, you know, and he chose top five. And then he said, okay, great. What are you going to do with the other 20? He said, well, I'm going to focus on these five, but sometimes when I have some time in the weekend or, or, or some evenings, I'll work on these other 20. Yeah. Buffett suddenly got a bit agitated, a bit like near the upset. And, and he told him, no, you are not going to do that. You are going to ignore these other 20 task religiously and focus <laughs> only on this five yeah and and that's the power of focus that's that's how he achieved what what uh, who he is today we should ask our uh guest today about focus i think that's something we should put in the show notes his name's tyler jack harris the super salesman yeah and he's got 49 weekly uh, has a weekly reach of over 49 million people. That's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. That's more than selling. I think you've got to do some focusing to hit that, right? Definitely. Yeah. 49 million. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so yes, and then also sold 8,000 life insurance policies in three and a half years. That's a quite achievement, especially uh, knowing that insurance policies are the most difficult uh, products. Not <laughs> like CBD oil, you know, it's yeah. uh, much less sexy, especially uh, these days. Yes, yes, yes. Well, uh, CBD is go is becoming more sexy, though. It seems like so, totally. It's totally. Re- yeah, yeah. That's the next cryptocurrency, I think. I think also. Yeah, but bigger. I, I wonder, like, who who was like his. Like his mentor or his his uh, which which type of um, person he modeled? Yes, so I'm excited to chat with him, especially about sales. So, so host two podcasts: a daily vlog and a weekly vlog. 
Yes. And uh, wow. became a millionaire in three and a half years. And the author of Sales Wolves. Sounds yes. like a cool book. And I think there he is. Is this Mr. Tyler Jack Harris? Not yet. We can't hear you, Mr. Tyler Jack Harris. Hey there. Hey there. There he is. <laughs> get my uh, microphone connected because I just realized I uh, clicked computer audio. Unless well, it just sounds incredible. Then it, it sounds incredible right now. Oh, I mean, good. It, we're good. You sound better than ninety nine percent of the people right now that have been on the podcast. Honestly, awesome. got truth. Awesome. And we I have to ask a video as well. We can. We'll say hello real quick. Yeah, That's go. why you sound so good. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are you, man? I'm, I'm Chris. good, man. How about yourself? Good. And we have uh, the co-host Noah on the show. Awesome. Uh, hi, hi, Tyler. Hey, how are you? There he I'm is. I'm very good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. As you can see, Noah got dressed up for the podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. Especially for you. Oh, yes. Yeah, I well, I, I like your, uh, your logo in the back. Yeah, mm. that's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I'm going to have to snap a shot of that because uh, yeah. your background looks great. Um, you. Do you go by Tyler, Tyler Jack? Um, what do you prefer? Uh, Tyler's good. Uh, the only reason we have started using my middle name is because uh, Tyler Harris was taken on Instagram and was tired of having Tyler Harris Page for the longest time. Somebody asked me if my name last name was Page. And I was like, crap, we got to get rid of this. <laughs> throw, throw the middle name in. So. <laughs> in the United States, that is Page as, as a name, no? For a girl or something like this? But that's yeah, for a first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome to have you on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, and you, what kind of microphone is that? Just curious. This is a XM7B. Sure. Um, to me, these are the, it's the best I think you can get. Yeah. Uh, I love it. I mean, we've done 300 episodes and this is probably one of the best I've ever heard. From, yeah. From Good. my standpoint. Well, I appreciate that, man. It's, uh, it, it's way better than what we were using before. I don't even know what that was. And, a lot of our podcasts, we end up doing, um, you know, out and about. So we're just using, you know, lapel mic, uh, Sennheiser, but man, this, the only things you have to talk into it perfectly or you'll catch like moving over here and stuff, but, but that's not horrible. It still sounds yeah. pretty decent. Even when you do move over there. Yeah. Not, not too bad. That's not good. Bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And wh where are you located? I'm in Rio de Janeiro and Noah is in Barcelona. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. We're, we're, well, Noah's based in Barcelona, but I'm a location independent digital nomad entrepreneur. Got it. I love that. Dude. Yeah. I love that. Very Where good. are you? Uh, I am in South Carolina. Okay. South Carolina here in the U.S. Well, it's yeah. normal to, to say your middle name in South Carolina, right? Tyler, Tyler J. For females, I think that's kind of a Southern thing, like uh, Sally Mae or something. <laughs> but not so much men, I don't think. No. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Well, I grew up in Missouri and I know okay. all my cousins' middle names because in the family, <laughs> middle names. Yes. <laughs> they know, right. they, they know mine for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the podcast, my friend. We're excited. And Nicole, our, 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 our lovely co-host Noah Lath is on the show. How are you today, Noah? Hi, my friends. Very excited to ask a lot of questions to Tyler. Yeah. So I, I was glad when you accepted our invitation, Tyler, to come on the show um, because like you have an incredible amount of sales experience. I used to be a salesman and as entrepreneurs, well, I guess we always really are. 
And, um, but then you have your own personal brand, which you're doing great things with, and, uh, it goes hand in hand with our series, a hundred major influencers that we've been talking with recently. And, uh, so it's a good combination, uh, because we haven't had a sales expert yet, uh, an influencer slash sales expert. So that's great. So anyway, I just, I just want to say hello. How are you, how are you doing? And, uh, how's life these days before we dig into the show? I'm doing fantastic. Life is chaotic and crazy, and that's that's really the way I like it. Um, you know, we uh, we've got a lot of different things going on uh, within our business and uh, the personal brand side, and just got back from a trip to, out to Los Angeles, California last week, where I did uh, I think eleven podcast interviews uh, in wow. person over the course of three days, just crisscrossing all over. Uh, California and uh, had some incredible conversations. So I've, you know, come back from that trip extremely uh, inspired uh, by all the different conversations that I had. I'm, I am one that learns the best, learns the most through experience, and really that's through conversations. Yeah, and that's uh, the way I love to uh, to really enrich my life, and then take that and allow other people's lives to be enriched by it as well. Yeah, I think. Noah and I are both like that. The conversations that that you can get from a podcast are just so incredible. And uh, even if the podcast isn't going out to millions and millions of listeners, um, you know, each person learns so much from the conversation. But I have to ask you, you, so you did 11 recently, 11 shows. What was the best or most memorable question that you were asked in those podcasts? So these were these were all my podcast. Okay, okay. Um, so it was me asking questions, but I mean there was there was so many memorable moments. But um, you know, one that really stood out uh, for me was a guy by the name of Erwin McManus. I'm not sure if you're you're familiar, but uh, this guy is he may be the most interesting man on the planet. Uh, wow. Kind of a Renaissance man, an artisan. Uh, he's the pastor of a of a huge church in California, multiple locations called Mosaic Church, but uh, is really known for being you know, kind of living at this intersection of of culture and religion and just you know the the leveling up of human performance. It's, it's incredible. His background, fashion entrepreneur, filmmaker, storyteller, and now pastor, but speaks all over the world. He's 60 years old. And, and the guy is just, I've never been around someone so wise. It's like every time he opened his mouth, I I found myself just (laughs) in awe of the things that he would say, (laughs) way that he would say it. It's just like, it's so eloquent and so, uh, articulate it just absolutely blew me away so there was a number of different a uh, number of different questions throughout that that uh, episode that I was absolutely almost taken back and I had to you know stay focused on on the uh, the task at hand uh, but it was it was pretty magical do you so when I meet somebody like that I'm always curious where their wisdom comes from and you know many people have different answers and, and I'm curious if you uh, got any insight of where maybe this gentleman, his name's Ernest, right? It's uh, Irwin. Irwin. Irwin McManus. McManus. Um, where do you think he gets wisdom from? Uh, you know, it's interesting. One of the questions that I asked was based on a, a talk that I recently gave where I, where, I, where I discussed, you know, how do we figure out what we were born to do? 
Yeah. And it's certainly a complex question, but an important one. And you know, the conclusion that I came to is that it was based off of what was God given, and that's your gifts. Right. And so if we chase after our gifts, if we're living out of our gifts, then it's really the only way we can live life on purpose and live up to our full potential. And then ultimately through that process, you'll become passionate about that end result. Whereas most people chase passion and you can become passionate about things. You can lose passion in things, but if you're operating out of your gifts, your gifts are your gifts. And that's going to be ultimately the way you figure out what you were born to do. And you know, I believe that when he heard me say that, it was like he wanted to disagree, but he did it in the most eloquent and <laughs> thoughtful way possible because he didn't see himself as someone that was, you know, at a young age and as he began to, to develop into a, uh, an adult and, and, and a career-minded or career-focused individual as someone that would ever speak on stage or would ever write books or would ever you know, use his voice to tell stories, but that it really he just had a desperation to reach people and give them hope, like a desperation to reach people that were searching for meaning. Yeah. And he felt that you know, if he were to just be obedient to that desperation, that God would provide the gifts to allow him to reach those people. Wow. And, and it was an interesting take because, you know, for a pastor to say that's one thing, but for a average business person, I'm trying to still unwrap what that looks like. Uh -huh. um, but it was, it was fascinating to me. You know, if you think of, you know, what are you desperate to, to solve or desperate to help or desperate to create. And if you look through your life through that lens of desperation, I think that it's, it's rare. It's very unique. And it's gotten me question, uh, questioning, you know, my motives and my, my uh, perceived purpose in my life. And, and, and through that lens of desperation that really puts it at a whole nother level. And so yeah, that was, that was super impactful for me. Yeah, that is a I, I like that the, the the obedience to the desperation to reach. <laughs> you know, yeah. that it, and, and and at the end of the day, I mean, if you if you look at yourself also, Tyler, as a as a someone who is documenting his life and 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 being a sales person and and trainer, uh, uh, that's actually what you do. You know, you're you you're desperate to reach people by enhancing. You know, by selling them something that will enhance their quality of their life or, or whatever goal they have. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you see, let's say, um, how can that affect, you know, the, the, the negativity around, you know, the salesman that goes from door to door and sell ice to, to Eskimos, which <laughs> so old school doesn't work these days. You, you sell ice to people who need ice. So what, what, from your point of view, how do you see the new salesperson, his, uh, his uh, obedience to his desperation? It's a, it's a great question. And you're right. Like for, for a long time, 
salespeople have kind of gotten a bad rap. You know, if you were at a, at a party or some type of get together and everyone goes around, what do you do? What do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, that's awesome. I'm a doctor. Great. I'm a, I'm a CPA. Awesome. And the person says, I'm in sales. So like, Ooh, Ooh. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you, know, keep, you know, keep working at it. I'm sure things will turn around, right. you know? And, but the, but the reality is that sales is the oldest profession there ever was. And, and that nothing, 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 nothing happens until something is sold. Yes. No product is made, no service is delivered until something is sold. And so we look at something that is plays such a such an integral role in our society, but we look down upon it because I think it's one of those things where the negative, uh, the negative parts of sales as far as the negative experiences people have had with salespeople so far out outweigh the positive not by quantity but by the the emphasis or the impact that it made on someone like when you have a really bad experience with a salesperson it leaves such a mark on you versus having a really great experience no one really thinks back to man when i bought that whatever it was that salesperson was absolutely incredible. They did such a good job. I feel so good about what they did. But when you have a bad experience with a salesperson, you remember it forever. You tell all your friends about it. So I think that certainly, I think that certainly uh, plays, a, plays a role. But for me, it's all about intent. And you have to have a product or service that you believe in uh, in order to do, uh, in order to you know, have integrity with carrying yourself as a salesperson. And if you do believe that your value, that there's tremendous value in the service or product that you provide, then it makes it very easy to go out and and do your job and excel and know that the more people I talk to, yes, the more sales I'm going to make, but the more people I'm going to help. And I think if you have this mindset, kind of a servant mindset of wanting to, to really help people, then the money will always follow. Yeah, true, true, true. And so, you know, for me, that's that's the way we've, you know, always been about our business and we're in the insurance business. So, you know, there's certainly aspects of of life insurance that that we just know uh, is something that's important for people to have and that there's a lot of peace of mind and we've got story after story that that we can share with people and and it's it's an important thing for them to have and we feel very very confident in the products that we provide and uh and that's important like you have a holy uh, it's, it's almost a holy job you know to to convince someone of doing something it, it's like a doctor it's like you know it's also a holy job with a lot of power it it is and especially with insurance it's not something people like to talk about nobody likes to talk about what happens when they die <laughs> And so, you know, we have to take that responsibility to approach a subject that's not enjoyable to discuss, but to discuss it in a way that gets them to a buying decision so that they do the best thing, they do the, what's right for their family because everybody gets to choose the legacy they leave behind. Yeah. And that for me is making sure that their family is protected if God forbid something were to happen to them and there's no better service that they can provide to their family and no better feeling that I can have when something does happen and, and someone loses their life and their family is in a good position where they can just go through the emotional grief, not the financial strain as well. 
So, so, so you're telling me you, you can make anything sexy, even insurances, or do you use the, the fear factor to convince the people? I certainly wouldn't say that I make insurance sexy. I, don't, I think that's definitely, <laughs> definitely a stretch, but uh, that's maybe something to uh, aspire uh, towards. But I think, um, I think at the end of the day, it's being able to identify a need and to be able to offer a solution. So maybe that does include planting a seed of doubt, uh, a, a seed of doubt perhaps. I like that in the coverages that doubt. they do have. So you plant yeah. that seed of doubt and then you very, very quickly offer them a solution. And, you know, not that it's an impulse buy by any means, but you offer a solution in a way that it makes things very, very easy to solve that concern that they now have. Am I covered? Do I have enough coverage in place? Uh, well, let's go ahead and take care of that now. Uh, because again, everybody has to choose the legacy they leave behind. Uh, so, you, you know, getting them to make that choice is, uh, is important for them and it's important for their family. So Tyler, one thing that I read about you is that you've sold over 8,000 life insurance policies in three, three and a half years or so. And these are face to face. So, so for me, that sounds like you were a sales hustler for that three and a half years. Like, like you were going, 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 what, what is that? Like 2,500 ish more or less per year, which would, how much is that per day? That's a lot. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> how and the you... average in the average life insurance agent sells 150 policies a year. Yeah. So how are you lining up that much? I mean, you have a team too. You have to, right? This is just me. No, that, that well, that we do have a team, but that that's my personal production. What I personally sold face to face one-on-one over three and a half years. And, you know, it, I would love to take credit and say it was all me, but it was really the system uh, that our organization built. Okay. And we went extremely narrow in the niche of people that we serve. And it's my biggest piece of advice to anyone in sales, not just insurance, but real estate, financial services, anything that you need to get extremely narrow in the group of people that you, that you target as narrow as you can think of. And probably about seven layers deeper because most people in the majority of people, especially in the insurance business, they try to be all things to all people and they end up being nothing to no one. And so if you can get extremely narrow in that niche that you serve, then you can build out systems completely around serving just that group of people. And so down to every script, every single word that comes out of my mouth has been just critiqued, changed, modified, tested all over the country so that we know not only what to say, how to say it, what we wear, the way we carry ourselves, what we hold, what we pass out, the, the uh, visual type materials that they see to get those people to get to a buying decision as quickly and as efficiently uh, as possible. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the ultimate form of respect. There's no difference in what I'm saying, meaning that if someone speaks Spanish and I try to sell to them in German, it's going to take a while and it's probably not going to work out so well. But if I were to learn Spanish, that would be a form of respect to then be able to talk to that person in the language that they speak and present the information in a way that they're going to be able to comprehend, understand, and then make a buying decision quickly. 
And when it's something as important as insurance, you want to get them to be able to understand very clearly, speak to them the way they speak to other people and the way they speak to themselves and build your entire system around that. Uh, we happened to build our system around a niche of people that work 24 seven. So it gave me the ability to work 24 seven. So for those three and a half years, I spent over 200 nights on the road, uh, over 200 nights in a hotel, each of those uh, three years. I, uh, you know, literally, and it's not just hyperbole. Like when you say like, Oh, I work a lot. You know, it, when you say it's funny, when you say you work a lot, like you could say you work 10 hours or you work 22, it's the same thing. It's just a lot. Like people don't really, really let it sink in of what that actually feels like and looks like. But 16, 18, 20 hour days were completely normal for three to four days a week and was able to sit down with, you know, around 10,000 people over that three and a half years and sold around 85, uh, 80, you know, 200 policies uh, over that time. Uh, but it had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the system other than the fact that I was willing to put a absolutely disgusting amount of work ethic into <laughs> that system. What kept you motivated for that? Like what was the drive um, to do those 16, 18, 20 hour days? So at the time when I first got started, uh, I was in a terrible place. I was completely broke. I was in debt. I was out of shape. I was depressed. I'd gone through a, yeah, I'd just gone through a failed marriage. I'd gone through a failed business. And some mentors came into my life uh, right around the time that I had really made this transition and started waging war uh, on personal change and, and really changing myself from the inside out. Some mentors came into my life and they were in the insurance business and gave me an opportunity. And for me, it had to work. I didn't have any other options. Mm -hmm. I was recently married. We were talking about kids. Like I, there was no contingency plan. I had no safety net. Like this absolutely had to work. And for me, it became uh, the perfect scenario within the environment that our, that our system enables someone to work in where it's very fast paced. Like if you're selling that many policies, it's very fast paced, very transactional. And so at a time where my uh, confidence was at an all-time low, I was thrown into a scenario where I could put work in, get a reward, put work in, get a reward, put work in, get a reward over and over and over and over and over each day. And each time would build up my confidence. And that to me just became an, a very addictive process because I looked at this system and said, okay, if I insert you know, X, I get X out. Well, what if I put in 2X? What if I put in 3x what I put, I put in 4x and I never reached a, an amount of effort that could be put into the system that wouldn't generate a direct correlation in your results and my role within the company the company had been around for uh, about three or four years prior to me coming on board you know they had agents across the country but they really needed somebody they needed a Roger Bannister they needed somebody to go out and run that four minute mile they needed somebody to go out and show people what was possible because everyone else with the same system, you know, they were used to selling 20 policies in a week, sometimes 30. Somebody would occasionally throw up, you know, 50 policies in a week. So the owners of the company, these mentors of mine said, hey, we need you to just put your head down, go to work, just trust in what we're saying is true mm -hmm. and just absolutely show people what is possible to produce within this system. So it wasn't you know, long before I had my first week where I sold 100 policies, then 150 policies. Then I had a four-day period where I sold 238 policies. Then I had a 
10 day period where I sold 297 policies wow. in 10 days to where now, you know, four years later, our top 10 every week, you have to have at least a hundred policies to be in the top 10 for the week. Wow. Because it gave people the, the, it opened their minds to, to realize that like, Oh, I had no idea that if I worked that hard, that it would produce those kind of results. If I just worked half that hard, I could do even better uh, than I'm doing now. And so, you know, like the story with Roger Bannister, you know, that record didn't last very long. And now we've got high school kids running four minute miles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really interesting. Yes. Like, can you, can you also be like a great salesperson while, you like while you don't believe actually in your product i think that that is going to cause so much friction internally that you may be able to to make it work for a year two years three years but i just don't think it's a sustainable uh a sustainable plan you know i don't think that there you're going to get much longevity out of it because you're going to be constantly conflicted um, and your integrity is going to be in question the entire time. And so, you know, the, I would, I would hope that the, that the majority of people would not be able to do that long term. Um, you know, certainly there are going to be people that are completely okay with it, but I think your average person's only going to be able to sell a product they don't believe in for so long just to get a financial reward. Uh, but everybody's got a price. Everybody, everybody seems to have a price. Uh, and it's what are you willing to do that maybe goes against those values, um, you know, to reach some level of success or some level of reward. Uh, it's just not really a game that I'm ever interested in playing. Okay, I, I hear you. Um, you know, like there's this sales and marketing uh, balance. And, and Philip Kotler, you know, known also the, as a guru of marketing, he said, if, if you have a great marketing, you don't need to sell anything. Like from, from with, for like talking to an experienced sales person, how, how do you, how do you look at that? Like, I think, uh, I think there's a third element, which is branding that is kind of a, a the, the overarching uh, level as well. But I think there's a lot of people that just don't realize the difference. Uh, a lot of people that think their marketing are just selling. Uh, it's rampant on social media. People think they're, you know, marketing themselves when all they're doing is, you know, playing little infomercials all day long on, on Instagram and Facebook, and it just doesn't work. Um, but you know, to me, marketing branding, it's a way more long-term vision, a way more macro level, uh, view of, of what you're going to do long-term. And most people in society just have a hard time thinking long-term, uh, I don't know why that is, but I think most people, especially in sales are extremely short-sighted. They're, they're extremely focused on that next sale. Uh, not how can I set myself up to have all the sales I want in 10 years? How can I, you know, close this month out? And I think marketing and branding is what creates a scenario where you have, uh, where you're, where you're, business, your product, your service is at the forefront of your target market's mind, no matter if you're sitting in front of them or not. And where you become, you know, very much like an order taker uh, versus someone that's coming in to pitch a product or service. And so, you know, we focus on, on a little bit of both. Uh, ours being kind of a, a, 
person to person business, um, there's a million different insurance companies out there and there's a million different great insurance companies out there. Um, a lot of what we do is building that rapport, you know, face to face one-on-one, which is difficult to do from a branding and marketing perspective. Um, and again, with the niche that we serve, it's just, it's not a huge role, uh, with what we do, but with the majority of businesses, there needs to be a huge focus on building the actual brand of the company and then marketing that brand uh, to that, whatever that niche of, of people that they are uh, ultimately trying to serve and then letting the salespeople just go out and be kind of the ambassadors uh, of the, you know, top down brand. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's like, now it's called also brand, like all the salespeople that I met the last six months, they're all called brand ambassador. They're not called salespeople actually, which is, which is a very, it's one word, but it changed like the perception of the, of the salesperson. It is. And I also think it's humorous though. Like <laughs> the number of different, the, the, the number of different names people have put for the occupation of sales just to make themselves feel better at parties. Like I'm an account executive or I'm a client relations manager or I'm a, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, all these different things. Yeah. They're just salespeople. Um, but for whatever reason, whether it was used cars or, or what, or, or whatnot, they just got this bad rap, but man, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely proud, uh, of all my sales experience and, and to be in sales because, you know, it's not for everybody and it is not easy. And I think the majority of people, um, that would say anything negative towards salespeople also would not have never did willingness to go out and do it themselves. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Tyler, you know, it's interesting, like you've, you've done, you've had an incredible amount of success with sales that you, you're moving into a few years ago, you started moving into personal branding and becoming an influencer. And it's really interesting. The success that you've had over the past few years is, you know, you, you have over a hundred million video views, roughly around a weekly reach of 49 million people or so. And, uh, and that's impressive. And so first I want to ask you why you decided to make a shift from um, salesman to slash personal brand influencer salesman. Yeah. So, you know, again, when I went through this transformation in my life over this last four and a half years, you know, going from being absolutely broke to 12 months later, making over $300,000 in commissions, 12 months later, making over $450,000, Uh, At that point, I realized that the biggest mistake that I had made was not documenting that process. Mm. The fact that I don't have footage, video footage of myself at rock bottom, you know, will, will always haunt me. But you can't change the past. What I knew the second biggest mistake would be would not would be not documenting moving forward. And so, you know, really, I went completely all in from day one. Uh, when I decided to start building up my personal brand and, and documenting my life on social media. Uh, and, and the main reason for that was I felt like the average person that gets on social media that wants to learn something or at the very least just wants to be motivated or inspired, there's really only two types of people they could go to. There's the multi multimillionaire, which is awesome but because of the infrastructure they have built around them, because of their lifestyle, it's just not relatable. Yeah. I mean, no fault of their own. It's, it's great for them, but the average person cannot relate. They can still get things. They can still learn from them, but it's not relatable. And then you have the second type of person on social media, which is the person that's faking that they're that. 
And there was really nobody in between. There was very, I wouldn't say nobody. There were very few people that were out there telling the real story that were documenting the journey and showing the good, bad, and ugly that were talking about the fact that success is not easy. You know, all you see on social media is, you know, make six figures in 60 days, join my mastermind and become a millionaire, read my ebook, get, you know, get this program, you know, go to this, you know, conference and, and learn how to become a you know, six figure sales earner in six weeks and, you know, all these different things. They want to tell you how easy it is because that's what sells. But the reality is it's not easy. It may be right. simple, you know, certain systems that you can plug into and, and the principles of success may be simple. There's not a single thing that's easy about it. And so I just wanted to go out there and start documenting my life to show everybody everything and be vulnerable and transparent. And in that process, my goal obviously was to become that multi multi-millionaire that shouldn't be relatable. But by documenting the entire journey, the goal was at, you know, at the highest level was to get people to level up with me as I leveled up. But at the very least, when I got there, I would still be relatable because people would have seen the entire thing unfold. They would have watched this journey in front of their very eyes. Yeah. And so they'll remember the Facebook lives, you know, the over 400 Facebook lives I did in 2017, or some of which where I'm in my car crying because I don't want to go into my hotel for the 11th night in a row because I missed my wife and daughter and was, one, was questioning, like, why am I out here trying to hit this crazy goal that I set for myself? You know, I need to be at home with my family. And, you know, those, those emotional, you know, painful moments that people got to experience with me. It'll be those same people that are with me 15 years from now, 20 years from now that see me at a level where I should not be relatable, but I will be because they know me at that point. Mm. And so I just, you know, went all in, made this commitment to document everything. And, you know, it's, it's been a little over two years now and I've put out over 5,000 pieces of individual content uh, in the, in these, you know, 26, 27 months, I uh, started two podcasts. I've got two daily vlogs, a weekly vlog, uh, a motivational brand, and you know, posting you know three to six times a day, every single day for twenty-seven straight months, wow. uh, without without missing a single day. And uh, and it's something I'm extremely proud of. But it's something that uh, that I think I'm just just now starting to scratch the surface of what's possible because the ROI for me in all this is the impact uh, and the lives changed and the messages that I receive from people that have implemented things over the years and, uh, and the, and the transformation that has helped and been a catalyst to in their lives. And, you know, once you, you know, once you get a taste of that, you just want more of it. You just want to help, you know, you, you realize how many people out there are just hopeless that have no idea what they're supposed to be doing that are settling for these, you know, mediocre lives just because at some point they just realized that, you know, maybe, you know, extraordinary wasn't for them. And I just want to give these people hope that look like it was four and a half years ago for me that I was absolutely at rock bottom and that, you know, things can change quickly if you absolutely go all in on changing you uh, from the inside out. So, so if you have to reduce, let's say, like a blueprint, you know, for our listeners, like for someone who's just starting or, or, or has been doing something, but he's not sure if that's actually the, the perfect blueprint or, or action list, what like would, would obviously consistency will be something, uh, for going full out would be something else. Like what, what else can you share with us? 
as far as building building a brand building a brand uh, documenting it um, like going full out achieving the goals like what would they what they sh- what the starting uh, brand ambassador or salesperson will uh, will need to do to achieve uh, not good results but great results so I think uh, the first thing they need to be self-aware enough to understand when it's the right time to start documenting because all of the stuff that I'm doing on social media can be an insane distraction. And I often question, even though it's, it haunts me that I didn't document from day one, I often question if I would have had the results that I had those first two years had I been documenting the whole time. Uh, I had gotten myself to a point in starting that third year as I began documenting my life where, you know, a lot of it was on autopilot on the business side uh, that I felt like I could do it with my eyes closed. Um, And so that freed up a lot of mental capacity for me to focus a lot of my energy on building my personal brand. So the last thing I want anybody is do, to do is to lose, lose focus of the main focus is, which is whatever is bringing the revenue into their families and supporting and providing for themselves and their family uh, just because they want to go build a brand. Like you got to take care of yourself first, 100%. And you cannot help anybody. You can't provide value to anyone unless you first take in personal responsibility for yourself. So that's the the, the first and, and most important piece for someone that's just getting started in this upward trajectory of their life and wanting to document it. But, you know, once you've gotten to a certain point where you feel comfortable, uh, you know, beginning to really build your personal brand, you know, you said consistency is something. Consistency is absolutely everything, 100% everything. And especially in the beginning, it's not easy. It's not going to make sense. You're going to feel like this stuff is not working. No one, no traction, no engagement. You're getting on Facebook Live and it's your mom and it's your friend from when you were a kid and somebody random. No one's talking. You're putting posts out there that are getting no likes, no comments, no shares. And you're going to do that for a long time before things are going to start to pick up. And it's having that understanding that this, again, is a long-term game. Um, So consistency is everything. You know, and one of my favorite quotes is that, you know, you never trust words, rarely trust actions, but always trust patterns. And that is one thing that I pride myself on is when people tell me that, that, that they're blown away by my consistency. Because when I say I post three, at least three times a day, I don't care if I'm in, in my, you know, in a hospital bed on life support, I'm going to figure out a way to get three posts out because it's, I do what I say what I'm going to do. And so I think that's, that's huge. I think, um, authenticity, uh, vulnerability uh, is huge. And it's not just a buzzword that people keep talking about. It is uh, the secret sauce, being vulnerable, creating space for people, uh, you know, opening up and talking about the stuff that absolutely you do not want to talk about that's super uncomfortable to talk about, but is the most important thing that somebody needs to hear because chances are, if you've gone through some type of struggle or issue or problem, then somebody else has either gone through the exact same thing or something similar that they're going to be able to take uh, your story and and learn from it. And they're going to see you as a human being, uh, not just this, you know, fake person on Instagram or Facebook that, that puts out great memes. Uh, So that vulnerability piece uh, is, is a close is a close second um, and then you know using it as an accountability tool and that really gets back to where we started the conversation uh, which is making sure that the main focus is to remain focused especially for those in sales I would get on Facebook live you know Sunday night or Monday morning and I would and I would give my goal for the week you know this week my goal is to sell 
50 life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. And each day I would get back on Facebook live and I would talk and update where I was at. Hey, day one sold six policies today. So I'm way behind, you know, today was a rough day. I'd talk a little bit about it, but you know what? Tomorrow's a brand new day. I'm going to come back and, and we're going to fight on day two. I sold, you know, 25 policies. Now I'm ahead of the game. Uh, day three, day four. And then at the end of the week, I would recap. And I would literally count the policies live and lo and behold, what do you call it? The law of attraction or whatever. I would end up doing right around 50, 51, 52, which would always make me think, well, crap, why didn't I say 70? Uh, <laughs> but it enabled me to stay focused on what was bringing in the revenue, which was affording me the ad spend and the resources to you know, really go all in on building my brand. Uh, so I think a key mentality or a, a key uh, thing for people to really wrap their head around is the majority of people will start to build their personal brand and they will look at it this way. They'll look at, okay, if I'm going to take an hour, two hours away from my career to work on my brand, then I'm going to have to make money or generate revenue from my brand to be able to make up for that hour or two of opportunity costs that I missed in my business. I just looked at it as I'm going to go absolutely all in on my career to be able to use that revenue to fund building my personal brand. And then I'm going to build, build in some ways to hold myself accountable with social media so that I can accomplish both at the same time. And, uh, and I think that's really, really important because the one thing I hate to see is someone that, you know, is doing great with their job and they go start building their personal brand and it takes them down this rabbit hole. Maybe there was a creative itch that wasn't getting scratched by their job, but now it's getting scratched by making posts and creating videos. And now all of a sudden their production in their business is plummeting, but you know, their number of followers is going up and next thing you know, they turn around and they're broke. Uh, that's not what you want to have happen. Uh, so I think, you know, staying focused and consistency and being vulnerable, opening up and showing people the real you is going to go a long way. Yeah, that makes so, a lot so of sense. Just very much. Uh, thank you for sharing this. Uh, um, I mean, I mean, when you say it, it makes very much sense. And actually, it, 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 it's very uh, aha moment. Uh, uh, but sometimes, you know, knowing is remembering and someone you tell us, look, it's about this, especially someone who achieved let's say certain uh, goals and just a mini questions uh, a question like in this facebook live like what do you talk about exactly like 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 imagine mean, you're selling uh, insurances but imagine someone selling chairs or furniture or kitchens or houses or like what do you do in the facebook live it's, that's a great question and it to me my career i believe gives me the best platform to speak on building a personal brand because of the fact that the number one objection or question or concern people have is, well, what if my career isn't that interesting? I'm like, man, I'm so glad you said that because I sell life insurance and there's nothing less interesting in the world. (laughs) Like (laughs) literally you could do anything and it would be more interesting than selling life insurance, especially given the fact that because of the, uh, the personal nature of those meetings with, with people, I can't ever really even talk about the specifics of what I'm doing. I can't bring a video camera into a meeting with someone and talk about, you know, all of their, you know, uh, finances and their family dynamics and, and all that. So, you know, not only is what I do boring, but 
I can't even document what I really do. And so, you know, it ends up being a discussion on the basic pillars of success. Um, You know, talking about things like hard work, things like consistency, vulnerability, things like, um, you know, discipline, uh, you know, all these different things that are universal to any industry. But on those Facebook lives, you know, I would literally talk about just that, which is my goals. So if my goal was to sell 50 policies that week, I would say, hey, just got out of my last meeting of the day. And and the reason I wanted to do live, and that's why my Facebook following is bigger than my Instagram following is because Instagram didn't have live when when I first uh, started doing this. And I wanted that live content because you can only fake it so long on live. Like people are going to figure you out. You can only fake it so long. And so I wanted people not only to get to know the real me, but I wanted to see them to see the timestamp. I'm like, hey, it's it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm headed to my last meeting. They're like headed to your last meeting. That way when you know, I get the question of like, what do you mean you sold 75 policies this week? I'm like, hey, scroll down a little bit to that, the three nights that I was going into my last meeting that I didn't get out till one in the morning and I was back in my first meeting at 5.30. Like that's how I sold 75 policies this week. And so it had that timestamp and I'm saying, hey, I just got out of my last meeting. You know, for the day I ended up uh, selling, you know, 18 policies. And then I wouldn't really get into the specifics of the things that happened, but then I would always try to bring up just some topic, you know, something that was currently on my mind, something that I maybe be reading about or, or listening in a, other podcasts or watching on YouTube uh, to try to pro- provide some little, little bit of value. But ultimately ended up, you know, cultivating into more Q&A towards the end. And, and today Q&A is the, my absolute favorite thing to do. Uh, I still do it three, four times a week, I'll do Instagram and Facebook Live simultaneously uh, Q&A. I actually created a show out of it because I, I just like doing it so much. It's called the discomfort zone where we embrace vulnerability one question at a time. And I just get on there and people jump on and I say, hey, throw your questions in the comments and just roll through and answer people's questions. I think that to me is the most value you can possibly provide somebody is tangibly asking the questions that they want to know. And I tell people like, get selfish. Don't ask some philosophical broad question that you think everybody's going to get something like, let's ask some super specific questions about your life. And, uh, and if I don't know the answer, I say, I don't know the answer. Uh, I'll try to point them in the right direction. Uh, but that's really all it was. It was just me jumping on there, giving a quick update, just talking about my day, talking about, you know, maybe a subject of, of, you know, what it takes to be successful or, you know, some struggles or overcoming objections, different things like that. And, you know, but it was very much on the fly. Like I would literally hop in my car, hit, you know, go live and I'm live. There was no notes taken, outline, literally zero thought beforehand. It was just talking to people as though they knew me and as though I knew them. And Ty- uh, it's Tyler, how do you, how do you manage your energy with a schedule like that? You know, you're, you're putting in tons and tons of meetings plus on top of that, building your personal brand and at 11 PM doing your, your face, your last Facebook live of the day, uh, you know, health, diet, exercise, family life. Like how are you managing all that, that energy? It's, it's a constant game. And I think a lot of it is, I try to go in spurts. So, you know, I'm, I'm really good on, you know, a few hours of sleep for three nights in a row. The fourth night gets rough, but then I'll go easy on the fifth day and I'll take it easy on the weekend. 
And I'll do that for, you know, three weeks and then I'll have a little bit of a lighter week. And then I'll do that for, you know, a couple months and then I'll have, you know, a month that's a little bit lighter. And so I think it's, it's really getting to know, like being self-aware, you know, getting to know yourself and, and how much sleep you need, how much, you know, relaxation you need, how much, you know, time you need in each of these areas of your life for you to be operating at the highest level. And, you know, I, I, I don't like for people to try to give that answer for other people because it's a hundred percent personal to you. Um, you know, sleep is extremely important. And, you know, when I go three days with very, you know, with only like three or four hours of sleep a night, you know, by that fourth night, I need some sleep. And so I'll sleep in on Friday and I'll have a lighter day on Friday. And so I think it's, you know, for me, it's how much activity can I cram into short periods of time has always worked out well for me. Uh, (laughs) And, and then, then relaxing and, and taking off when I'm taking off. But what I think that does for me is that here's the problem I see with the majority of people in their work-life balance. The reason why people are never fully on is because they're also never fully off. And so I think the reason why they're not fully off is because they're never fully on. So I think we live in a society where we have people that are like kind of half on, half off all the time. Like if you never truly go all in at work, then you can't really go all in at home because you're just thinking about all the things that you were supposed to do that you didn't do, the things that you're behind on, your sales quota that you're way behind on, the work that you're going to have to make up for on Monday that you didn't do Friday. So you can't really completely disconnect and be present with your family. There's a big difference between being available and being present, like like listening with your eyes and, and being fully there and all in. Uh, in those moments. And it's because they didn't go all in. So I'm cramming so much activity into a few days that when I'm off, like I'm, I don't even think about it. I'm not even thinking about anything because I know I did absolutely everything I possibly could during those days. There was nothing else I could have squeezed out of it. So it gives me peace to actually rest. Uh, And I think a lot of people are robbing themselves of peace because they're not fully going all in. Uh, in the time that they choose uh, to work. And so they're kind of half in and they're half off, half in, half off. And it just leads to this life of mediocrity where they're just kind of just walking the line, uh, but never really experience anything extraordinary in, when it comes to results. So as you know, Tyler, we're interviewing a hundred major influencers and talking about <clears throat> the importance of influence um, like sales influence has gotten a, um, a bad rap because a lot of people have used and abused it, I think. But um, can you tell us your perspective on influence and the uh, how do you feel your role uh, as an influencer or what are some of the responsibilities you feel that you have as an influencer? It's a great question. And number one, I think it is a great responsibility. Yeah. The whole uh, to whom much is given, much is required. And the reality is every single person that's listening to this is an influencer because you're constantly influencing someone. Yeah. There's not a day that goes by where someone wasn't influenced by the words that you spoke, by the things that you did. Um, so all of us are influencers. Then it just comes down to the, to the magnitude or the amount of people that we're able to influence um, on a daily basis. And for me, it's, it's this 
extreme sense of responsibility to pay it forward because of the fact that, you know, when I was in a terrible place four and a half years ago, these mentors came into my life and honestly, they saw way more in me at that time than I saw in myself and how they came about to be in my life and, and why, like, I, I don't know, but I am eternally grateful for them seeing something in me and for them pouring into me like affirmations and building my confidence back up. Uh, I had gone through a failed marriage where uh, my spouse had had an affair, which as a man just destroys your confidence. I'd gone through a business failure simultaneously, which destroys your confidence. These guys really built me back up uh, in a way that, that I'll be forever grateful for. It changed the course of the rest of my life, not just financially, in every way. And so having had that happen to me and having had the success that I've had, it's kind of the, the blessed to be a blessing mentality of wanting to pay that forward and be a catalyst for someone else. Like I may not be able to be as hands-on and make as dramatic of an impact as they made on me, but I can, I can do my part. You know, I can put out content that may be that little spark that someone needed on a Monday morning to get after it that afternoon or that little, um, you know, that post that just hits them in the right way where it's a shift in their perspective and they start seeing things a little differently. And over the course of time, uh, that makes a, you know, that one degree shift that all of a sudden puts them on a whole nother planet, uh, you know, years down the road. And I just know, and it has nothing to do with any natural skills, talents, or abilities, or, or anything that's special with me. I just know that we all have a story to tell and that there are certain people that will only resonate with our story in the way we tell it. And so I feel like today, when I get on Facebook Live, when I get on Instagram Live, that there is somebody in a random part of the country, maybe even a random part of the world that just happens to be scrolling through Instagram, they're going to stop on my post. And for whatever reason, Tony Robbins could have said it. Brian Tracy could have said it. Gary Vaynerchuk could have said it. Eric Thomas could have said it. Richard Branson. Every one of these people could have said the exact same words, but because of my story, because of my context, because of the filter with which I see the world, it's the absolute only way that it's going to penetrate them. And they're scrolling through Instagram right now and they're going to see that and they're going to go, huh, I never thought about it that way. And they're going to start following the content. They're going to start picking up on stuff in three years, five years, 10 years from now, their life will be forever changed. And I take that extremely seriously one person at a time. And I feel like if I had this ability, if I had this platform to be able to tell these stories, to be able to, to, be able to document my life, to be able to create this legacy ultimately, and I didn't do it, that's a hard pill to swallow. And so to me, it's, it's, a, it's a duty, it's a responsibility, it's, it's you know, not to the point of being a burden, but it is an intense responsibility. And, and that to me is, is the way I want to go about living my life. You know, that the ROI was impact, you know, that everything we do is all about how can we scale the impact that we're having on others. And, you know, I think that it's just paying back for what those mentors did for me, you know, four and a half years ago. That's incredible, Tyler. 
Um, my friend, I think we're going to have to wrap up there, but I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. If the listeners want to reach out and learn more about what you have going on and where they can hear your messages at, where could they do that? So all social media is going to be at Tyler Jack Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. And uh, my website, which will point you in the direction of all of that is TylerJackHarris.com. Excellent. And again, uh, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. We're going to wrap up there. Listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.